Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Folks, look, I'd love uh, to have you uh, join in with us. Now, look, if you'd like to share a a positive thought, maybe a a comment on one of the issues that we're discussing, if you'd like to simply say hello, you can do that uh, by texting us on 04888-80811-04888. 80811. Uh, we would love uh, to hear any feedback that you've got about any of the subjects. This week we're actually talking about prayer. If you'd like us to be able to pray uh, for a need that you have, we don't need to share your name, uh, then we're more than happy uh, to, to pray for those needs that you might have. And now that number again is 04888 11 and uh, you share with us and uh, we are more than happy uh, to receive your your feedback. Now this week of course we are following that theme the Bible growing spirituality and the place of prayer. And today we're asking a consistency in prayer is it possible? Now, uh, this is in reference to uh, so many people that certainly I've spoken to in our uh, in our big wide world uh, where they certainly start prayer maybe at a high time in their, their Christian life, maybe uh, after some uh, some convention. Uh, they start the, the process of, uh, of prayer, but the challenge comes in consistency. How is it possible to be consistent in a prayer life? And does it make a difference anyway? You know, this is one of those super practical elements of the Christian life that uh, we just believe it's so important uh, that we that we dig into. Now, of course, today uh, our co-host is uh, Pastor Marty uh, Thompson, and Marty is the pastor for the Grace Adventist Centre and also the Birdwood Adventist uh, Church. Now he's also Sterling, Gary. For Sterling. Sterling, Sterling. How did I say Birdwood? I tell you what, I've but because I've been pastor up at Birdwood a number of times, and uh, of course uh, uh, it is Sterling. It's not Birdwood. It's uh, they're very close to each other there in the hills. But I've got Birdwood on the on the brain when I think of uh, think of the hills. But welcome to you. Welcome to you, Marty. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, Gary, for having me. Look, hey, it was really good. I mean, I did actually preach at uh, your church at Sterling uh, just this last weekend, and what a beautiful church that uh, that is. Uh, you, you must be very proud of it. Beautiful church, beautiful people. Um, how'd you go with the cold? Because it's quite cold once you get up there to Sterling. Yeah, I have to admit, down here on the uh, on the plains, I, I was sort of thinking, will I take uh, a, a coat up there or not? And I th- I remembered my experience from last uh, last uh, previous occasions, and I did, and I'm thankful that I did. Uh, but I'm also thankful that uh, since I was there last time, the church has installed three wonderful heaters. Mm, it's nice and warm in the church. That's absolutely right. Just the short walk from the car park to the church, and then you're toasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, folks. Glad you had a good time. That's really good. I heard it was a great sermon, by the way. 
Oh, look, I, I really enjoyed preaching uh, preaching up there, and to me, I certainly stayed. They certainly had a church lunch, and I stayed for the church lunch, and I uh, excellent food, wonderful little church. And look, folks, if you happen uh, to be in the lower Adelaide Hills, now this is a real tourist hotspot, then it's worth uh, picking up and just get going on a uh, on a Saturday, a Sabbath morning uh, to the Sterling Church. They're starting at uh, at nine thirty. They had the worship services at 11 o'clock and uh, it's a really beautiful uh, small church. Only a small number of people there, but they are super friendly and uh, yeah. a, fan- yeah. a fantastic lunch. I, I, you can be really proud of them, Marty. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there this this Sabbath. I'll be preaching there and um, I always look forward to going to Sterling Church. It's just a beautiful little family church and um, we love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's what it is, you know. And to me, uh, churches actually do best when they are a family church, when they cater right across the, uh, the generations. And, uh, yeah, loved, loved being able to be there and loved being able to, to, to share. Uh, now folks, look, uh, uh let's come to our World Watch, uh, segment. And I, cause I've got a couple of questions here I'd really like to, uh, throw at Marty. Now, of course, uh, I'm one of those, uh, those people who, you know, is long in the tooth in, uh, in ministry. This is coming close now to my 40th uh, 40th year whereas marty uh, you're, uh, you're you're young you're uh, enthusiastic and uh, i've just picked up this article from uh, uh well the um uh, from, from the, the news media and uh, it, it it concerns particularly uh, some young people so i'd love to throw some questions at uh, at you now the article is actually entitled uh, dr george barner challenges the arizona christian university student to prepare for life's spiritual battle. Now, of course, uh, Dr. George Barner, he uh, he leads the Cultural Research Center at the Arizona Christian University, and I really appreciate some of the articles that are coming out of that particular facility because they come with some uh, genuine research behind them, uh, and they raise very, very legitimate uh, uh, questions. Now, this is what the article uh, did share. Uh, whether you like it or not. Whether you embrace it or not, Abana uh, said, you are a participant speaking to the students of the Arizona Christian University in a spiritual war every moment of every day of your life. And that means that you have to make some incredibly important decisions about your life, doesn't it? Barna encouraged students to graduate with honours in spiritual warfare and be prepared to be a victorious warrior for Jesus Christ. Now, then he made uh, this statement, and this is what I'd like to pick up with you, um, Marty. The, ver- the first step, he said, is to resolve the fundamental cultural challenge facing today's college students, the issue of identity. A college student's struggle to answer basic questions such as, who am I and what's my purpose? In fact, Barna's recent research of the youngest American adults, including today's college students, shows that three quarters la- uh, say they lack meaning and purpose 
to their life. Now, to me, when I, I read that, I thought, wow. I mean, because I well remember the days when uh, I, you know, all those years ago, you know, I, I, I was at, uh, you know, in those days, Avondale, Avondale College uh, and uh, studying for my uh, theology degree and later for my master's degree. Uh, the one question that we probably didn't have uh, was, who am I and what is my, uh, my mm. purpose? Because we were actually there with a, a very clear and decided purpose. But that, of course, now is 40 years ago. Uh, but now Barnard's turning around and saying the research of the youngest American adults, uh, including today's college uh, students, shows that three-quarters say they lack meaning and purpose. Now, look, um, Marty, you are a, you're much closer to this age bracket than certainly what I, <laughs> what I am. Look, do you sense that this issue is real, number one. And secondly, how did you attain your identity and purpose? I mean, I assume you have an identity mm. and a purpose. How did you attain it? But do you sense, firstly, that this issue is is real? Absolutely, Gary. You know, this is, this is the result of society trending away from God. When, when you move away from God and when you move away from the Bible, what is left? You, you're left with a vacuum. You're left with the, these big questions, these philosophical questions that, mm-hmm. that like you're saying, can, can be answered quite easily if I have a faith in God and a belief in his word. But the moment I move away from that and the moment I now start to embrace an evolutionary point of view or, or I don't believe in God, and the question, these questions are very difficult to answer because, because we, because there is no why. There is no reason for your existence if, in fact, you simply evolved from some primeval slime. Mm. Um, you know, just to put it frankly, there really is no rhyme or reason to, to, to your life. Yeah. And so I, I think that this is a key issue and I think it plays out in a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. I think we see young people today, many of which are um, experiencing a high level of, you know, what's called FOMO, the fear of missing out. And, mm-hmm. and there's these addictions to social media and to devices. And, and um, you know, there is uh, there's this increasing just, I, I guess you could call it almost, is the word apathy, mm-hmm. just this careless type of attitude where, once upon a time, you know, we, I look at oftentimes the generations that have gone past and I take my hat off to them. I think they worked so hard. They were so diligent. Even as young people, they were, you know, you, you read about them and you, you hear the stories of, of, of older folks and, and you go, wow, these were people who were very practical with their skills as well. And we've just got to, we honestly do um, have a generation of young people who don't have a clear foundation point yeah. and um and so that's a real challenge i remember it was one uh i remember hearing about one psychologist i think it was a psychologist maybe a psychiatrist anyway he was asked this question you know why there's so many young people who they're, they're going to these nightclubs they seem to just be so you know spending so much time doing things that ultimately don't really yeah, don't contribute anything to the betterment of society. Yeah, yeah. Um, etc. And and his answer was they have a hole in their soul. And he wasn't Christian. 
Yeah. They have a hole in their soul. For me personally, I have grown up, I'm very, I would say, absolutely fortunate and blessed to have grown up in a Christian home. Mm. But that's not, that's not the only thing. You know, for me personally, I had a personal encounter with God and came to have a, an absolute trust in the Bible, particularly through studying both the prophecies of the Bible and coming to understand the nature of God's unconditional love. Mm. And in understanding these two great pillars, the one I suppose you could say is the pillar of evidence and truth, mm-hmm. and the other is, is kind of the pillar of, um, I guess, acceptance and that there is a, you know, that there is forgiveness and that there is uh, love that is there. These are the two two things that really just helped helped me so much in those crucial years. I remember it distinctly through high school. These were two things that I encountered in my high school years. Mm. The prophecies of the Bible, which gave me a trust in his word and a certainty of God's existence. And then coming to understand the unconditional love of God and his desire to save me. Mm. Those are two things that just protected me from so much, I, I suppose, um, Meaningless, uh, meaningless drifting through life as, as unfortunately many young people are doing. They are, um, you know, yeah, they just don't have an anchor, and 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 we all need an anchor yeah. in, in life, and, and and we need to, I believe, find that anchor in uh, in a interpersonal relationship with God. Yeah, I, I appreciate what it is you're saying there, uh, Marty, because I, I know in my own, in my own case, I mean, uh, I, I certainly grew up in, uh, well, one would, one would certainly say a dysfunctional, uh, a family, family set up, uh, where, uh, you know, family, um, family strife was certainly very, very, uh, commonplace, uh, within, uh, within the home. And, uh, the, the thing that I, I really appreciated was that, uh, somewhere there in my early teenage year, uh, years, my, my mum started, uh, to, uh, to attend, uh, to attend a, a church and certainly took two, uh, two boys along, along with her. And, you know, it was at that place that I know that I discovered that, hey, I have a de- an identity. And, you know, to me, what became very precious was, uh, passages like, you know, comes from First John, beloved now we're the sons of God, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he does appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, you know, and uh, you know, I looked at uh, at Peter and, you know, we are kings and heirs and ambassadors and, you know I know that in my own case, it's when I uh, when I, in my teenage years when I determined that, you know I was a person who had incredible value, yes, I was growing yes. up within yes. a dysfunctional family, but I was a person who had incredible value because it had been given to me uh, by Jesus Christ, and He was the one Absolutely. who, you know, and, and to me it was that realization that really uh, did something uh, for my uh, for my entire entire life, you know. And at that point, once I had uh, an, a, an identity, uh, I also was given a purpose again by a God, and, and it yeah. was actually yeah. God Himself, I believe, called me actually into. Uh, uh, into ministry because I saw within uh, the, uh, the the Christian the 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 message of salvation. I saw something.
something that could transform society and could transform the world that I was living in. And yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Me, this I believe absolutely. is so key. Absolutely, you know that. I love what you say there about finding your value because that that was crucial for me as well. And it actually, one of the key things um, for me was actually going on a trip to America. It was in my gap year. Yeah. And when I was there in America, I, I went to, um, I did a course which was basically Bibles, Bible study, in-depth Bible study and how to share your faith. And that experience totally transformed my life. Yeah. And one of the key things was recognizing the value that God places on us. Yeah. And by recognizing not only the value that God places on me personally, but that he places that same value on every single other person and that we have been given this precious message in the Bible to share, you know, to a generation that is just lacking meaning and purpose and identity. Mm. The Bible speaks so powerfully and it gives so much encouragement. And I honestly believe if a young person today was to simply make the decision of picking up a Bible for themselves and starting to read it prayerfully, it would change the whole direction of their life. They would discover that they actually do have meaning. There is a purpose to this life, that, that all the evolution and the atheism, etc., that can really offer us nothing. Yeah. Um, and tells us that there is no God and says, you know, the universe doesn't care, you know. So when we go through challenges, there's, there's no one we can turn to if we have that mindset. Yeah. When you believe that God is real, that he's present in your life, wow, that makes a big difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, look, I really appreciate what you're actually saying there because, I mean, uh, one other thing, I didn't actually read it here, but Barna suggested that another tactic that Satan uses to create strongholds in area is areas such as anxiety, depression, self-doubt, confusion, oh. and selfish ambition. You know, as I look at this, I turn around and say, hey, once you've realised what your identity is in Jesus Christ and you have a purpose mm-hmm. for your mm-hmm. life, you're actually become incredibly resilient to a mm-hmm. lot of... Uh, a lot of these types of uh, issues. Uh, to me, I believe the challenge that we're actually facing today in the big wide world today is actually a challenge of purpose. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and once a person has that purpose, they have a reason to live. And and to me, I look at this and I say, hey, the answer is actually so so simple, and yet we have made it so incredibly complex. But Absolutely, in- you're spot on, Gary. Anyway, yeah. look, let's uh, uh, let's come to some music. This is uh, Fernando Ortego, and uh, the uh, the song is uh, "Let the Words uh, of My of My Mouth." Uh, please, uh, please enjoy. Let the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, pleasing to you. The meditation of my heart be pleasing to you.
Fernando Otago, uh, let the words of my mouth uh, from Psalm 19. Beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, rendition there. Uh, now, folks, look, we do have a giveaway uh, book for you today, uh, and this is uh, this is a real beauty. You'll love this. Look, if you want to grow in your spiritual life, this is the book that I'd encourage you to ask for. The book's entitled Teach Us to Pray, and it's by Tamara Horst. Teach Us to Pray is about entering into a relationship with the one who can satisfy the deepest yearning of the soul. It's about the simple prayer that begins a friendship that will change your life. It's about those hard-fought battle prayers to gain the victory for our own hearts and the hearts of those we love, and destroying the subtle lies and the whispers of the devil. It's It's about grasping the courage to believe that God loves you and that he's leaning in and learning to trust him. Grow deeply, serve uniquely, fight bravely, pray boldly. It's about knowing that you are chosen and delighted in. In sharing her personal journey with prayer, Tamara paints a wondrous, awe-inspiring picture of a God whose deepest desire is for us. Teach us to pray. 
represents the picture of a God who's deeply and intimately interested in each of our lives. And now look, this comes in the context uh, of Tamara Horse sharing her own personal journey. But in the process, she, uh, she teaches us to be able to pray. And of course, that is exactly the theme that we're dealing with this week. This week, we're trying to make this a super practical week. Uh, this is a week uh, that I believe our spiritual lives can go to a new level uh, if, in fact, uh, we're able to pick up uh, the implications and the uh, the depth of this subject of personal prayer. Our gift to you today is this book, Teach Us to Pray by Tamara Horse. Now, look, if you'd like uh, this particular book, uh, all you need to do uh, is to uh, text us. Now, our studio text number is 4 That number again is 4 And the code that you need to send us is SA118. Just five digits, SA118. And that drive time text number, 4 SA118. Is the code and that'll go to our robot and he'll ask you a, f- a few questions uh, so that uh, we can get this uh, book to you in the fastest way possible. You will love this book. I'd encourage you if you want to grow your spiritual life. Uh, this is the book uh, that's uh, certainly I'd encourage you uh, to, uh, to to send in for. Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is uh, Pastor Marty Thompson, who uh, who is the pastor of the uh, Grace Adventist Church and the Sterling Church in the Adelaide Hills. And uh, this week we're following the theme, The Bible, Growing Spirituality and the Place of Prayer. And today we're asking consistency in prayer is it possible? You know, it's one of those, it's one of those issues that so many do struggle with. And you know, when I was uh, very early in my, uh, in my ministry, I was, uh, uh, I was just so, so conscious, uh, that, uh, um, I was just so conscious that this issue was very, very real. You know, I, I saw it, I saw it practically demonstrated to me on on one particular occasion probably the most consistent prayer uh, that I had ever witnessed uh, her, she was actually uh, a lady of uh, a rich aboriginal uh, descent uh, she was a member uh, of the very first church that I was entrusted with uh, on my on my own uh, and uh, uh, I, I used to I used to function in central central Queensland uh, and then uh, each week we would run, uh, we would go on the on the Sabbath afternoon to a, a small community uh, about a hundred and fifty kilometres uh, further further west. She was a member of that particular uh, group. It was only a group of. 
12 to, to 15, 15 people. And each week uh, we had a standard type of, uh, a standard type of delivery. One of the traditions in that church was that each week we'd ask, we'd say, Hey, look, would anyone like to share some of the good things God has done for them? Now, I actually used to cringe when I asked that question because every week I knew exactly what the answer was going to, going to be. We'd have two or three people share, but then I'd have this lovely, this lovely, uh, indigenous lady, uh, she'd stand up to, to, to share. Now, we knew her background. If ever there's a person who had been knocked around through life, it was this particular lady. Uh, she knew, uh, what, uh, what, how, how horrible life could possibly be. And every week we knew that she was struggling with life. And yet, uh, she would stand up every single, every single week. And she'd say something like this, Pastor, I just want to say how good uh, my Jesus is. I want to tell you that this week I chatted to him. I spoke to him. And uh, we knew when I was sitting out on the veranda early in the morning, Jesus came and spoke to me. And, you know, the things that she told us, I had every reason to believe that Jesus had been sitting right beside her, speaking to her as she challenged, as she presented, as she presented to the Lord God the challenges that she was facing in life. And no matter what the challenge was, she took that to the Lord and then she'd bring it to us uh, on the, on the Sabbath and share with us uh, the wonderful blessing it was to be able to impart some of the, uh, to, to, to lay her burdens at the feet of Jesus Christ. Now, Marty, um, look, just help us, uh, to take us through, I suppose, this, uh, this journey. Now, you know, today we're talking consistency in prayer. You know, is it possible? I mean, so, uh, so many of us, we That's sort of start question. off, you know, uh, you know, we have a high point in our Christian life. You know, maybe we'll go to a Christian convention. We have one of those mountaintop experiences. We start praying. And then, you know, over the next uh, two or three weeks, it starts to peter off. And then, uh, you know, a month down the road, wow. Well, you know, it's an occasional thing only until finally it disappears from our, our life until the next mountaintop experience uh, comes uh, comes along. Now, look, consistency in prayer, is it possible? Yeah, Gary, this is a great question that we're discussing today. As we said, you know, this is the practical practical day-to-day experience of our Christian faith. And, and um, I, I guess I just want to answer the question, you know, is it important to begin with? And... You know, or is, is, is prayer something that I really, is it something that's necessary in my Christian experience? Like regular, consistent prayer, is it necessary? Or is it just for really, really deeply spiritual people, um, et cetera? And uh, it's interesting, I heard a story of a pastor who actually did an experiment. And his experiment was quite odd. He decided that he would not pray. Uh, for 12 months. Wow. And he decided he would not read his Bible for 12 months either. Mm. And um, he was going to ask himself the question if he still believed in God or not after the 12 months. Mm-hmm. And um, what was the result? Well, probably no surprise, he became an atheist. Wow. And... Perhaps for him, 
I don't know what exactly that proved. And by the way, it not only wrecked his relationship with God, but it uh, it resulted in in his the breakup of his marriage as well. His life just seemed to go in this downward spiral, mm-hmm. and it all started because he stopped praying. Mm. Now, what did he think that it proved? Well, for me, what it proves is a little experiment tells us that trusting in God and having a relationship with God is not merely something that is an academic exercise. Mm. It's not that if I just stop doing this, you know, I'm gonna, I, I can still just believe in God with my mind. No, to continue walking with God and growing in Him, it's a relationship. I mean, Gary, imagine if, if you and I conducted this same experiment with our spouses. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we said, hey, Sweetie, um, for the next year, let's not talk to each other. Let's not even look at each other in the eyes. Yeah. Let's not spend any time together. And let's see if we still love each other in one year. Mm, mm. You know, what's that going to prove? It's quite ridiculous when you put it like that, isn't it? It's, 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 it is, it's foolish. It's fraught with danger. Um, it's crazy. You know, your relationship with your spouse, your children, or, or really anyone who you spend a lot of time with, you know, uh, is going to come to a grinding halt when you stop connecting. And prayer is ultimately all about a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. It's all about a relationship with God. And I think the most simple answer to this question about consistency in prayer, is it possible? Well, is it possible to have a relationship with God? Absolutely. Is it vital to have a relationship with God? It's essential. If you don't have a relationship with God, then, as we discussed earlier, life becomes meaningless. We have the account of of King Solomon and his marvelous achievements. He had everything that this world could possibly give him, and yet when he was not in a relationship with God, he he said life was meaningless. Mm. It was absolutely, it was like chasing after the wind. Mm. Just, this, just, this, just this endless quest of trying to attain something that's going to give me meaning and satisfaction and actually not getting it. So then what is it that can make consistency in prayer difficult? I think one of them, to begin with, is this point on the fact that we misunderstand the purpose of prayer. Mm. For a lot of people, Gary, and you know, and I put myself in this category for a lot of my Christian experience as well. Um, sometimes we pray because we just want something. Mm-hmm. You know, we treat prayer a little bit like trying to, you know, rub the um, rub the genie bottle, and out pops the genie, and we want to ask the genie to do something for us. This is the Santa. This we, is the Santa Claus model, isn't it? This is the Santa Claus model of, of prayer. <laughs> and this is a misunderstanding about the purpose of prayer. Mm. Mm. You know, there was a church that decided to pray every day together for 30 days. And they were praying for something specific. They wanted a specific answer. And they said, God, we're going to pray for 30 days. Mm. And they did. And nothing happened. Mm. The thing that they asked for didn't happen, but they realized something else. What they realized is they were a lot closer to God, mm. and they had a lot more of his peace in their life, mm. more of his love, and they were more connected to each other. And so even though they didn't get what they were asking for, they actually continued this prayer 
And guess what? The answer came later on. Mm. And so sometimes I think God wants us to have a relationship with him. Prayer is not about getting a result. It's about building a relationship. And, um, you know, understanding the purpose of prayer. And if, 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 we're, if we're someone who, who has been unclear on the purpose of prayer, that's not something to be, um, you know, we don't beat ourselves up over that because even the disciples of Jesus who spent time with him, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 11 that now it came to pass, this is verse 1, mm. it came to pass as Jesus was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, yeah. as John also taught his disciples. So even the disciples, when they looked at Jesus' prayer life, they looked at the incredible power that seemed to attend Jesus' prayers and, and the amazing um, relationship that Jesus had with the Father. And they said, Jesus, there's something about the way you're praying that we just don't quite understand. I like, uh, they, uh, Marty, I really like what it is you're saying there because... That particular passage of scripture, I think, is so key uh, because we've actually got the disciples, and of course, the disciples when they had a gro- when they were growing up as as teenagers, when they were, you know, I mean, the the Jewish nation taught their young people how to pray. Uh, but yeah. the thing that uh, they these disciples notice when they come to Jesus is they get this request: "Lord, teach us how to pray," as John also taught his to, you know, and to me the thing that that really really says to me is that prayer is a learned experience it's something it absolutely is i mean have you found that in your life or no absolutely it is you know as we we don't just um yeah prayer is not necessarily something that we just kind of know how to do it's something that that god has to kind of teach us i mean mm-hmm. you know and that that makes sense because um because when you're talking to God, it is, it is, in some ways, it's quite challenging. You can't see God. You don't. Necessarily, I mean, very, very, very few people actually hear God speak mm. back to them. Mm. We, of course, we have the Bible, but it, it is a different kind of communication than than we um, than we do when we're just chatting right now. It, it is there's and and there's something different about it, and so we certainly do need to be taught. How to, how to pray. The other thing is that prayer often happens either privately, that's when the most heartfelt prayer takes place, yeah. or quite formally in a public setting. Mm. And so sometimes people, if, if their only exposure to other people praying is, is that very formal type of prayer, then really how, how many, how long can you really pray like that? I mean, there's, there's just, it's, it's, it's formal. It, it can become repetitive it can mm. become mm. you know sometimes sometimes if you have heard the same person pray many many times sometimes you know exactly what they're going to pray before they've even finished praying Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> you know because prayer can just become very repetitive yeah yeah so jesus goes on i just want to quickly go on here mm. jesus then says to his disciples when you pray say our father in heaven Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Gary, how many how many things is, is Jesus requesting for yet? 
Mm. Have you made any requests yet? None at all. This is just worship, isn't it? This is just worship. This is, and yet when we think of prayer, we often think of requests. We think of results. We think of what, what can I get? What do I need? Mm. The prayer is not primarily about us. It's about God. And you know, and that, when we focus, yeah, I was, yeah, you go, you go. Yeah, no, no, this is this is one of those things that my friend, you know, our indigenous lady in my my very first church certainly did did teach me because uh, she uh, she certainly brought her cares uh, to the Lord. Uh, sometimes uh, she could share with us, "The Lord answered my prayer," and other yeah. occasions uh, she just simply was able to rest in the peace that the Lord yeah. had given to yeah. her. And to me, mm-hmm. you know, I looked at it, and to me there was such incredible teaching. In fact, you know, I know I've, I've actually spoken to uh, uh, to some of our, our one, you know, some indigenous believers out at uh, uh, out of the Fink in uh, uh, in Southern Northern Territory. And, uh, wow, you know, what to, a place that oh, is. Amazing place out there. Real <laughs> privilege to go out there. But, it you know, is, I agree. One of the things that really... Uh, Really jumps out at me is that there was a de- there's a depth of spirituality among yeah, some of our yeah. indigenous people that some of us living in the Absolutely. more secular world uh, actually uh, totally miss. I'm going to come to that point. I think you know after the break, Gary. This that perhaps one possible reason why that is in that vast area where there is such um, well where you're not as busy. And not as uh, your mind is is not as bombarded as it is in in city areas. Why it is possible that it can be easier to connect with God sometimes in places like that? Yeah, yeah. Look, let's come to some some music because it, uh, our time is starting to get away from us. Uh, this is Michael Card. The uh, this is a beautiful uh, rendition of the uh, of the song El Shaddai. Uh, please, uh, please enjoy.
that the time of Christ was near Though the people failed to see What Messiah ought to be Though your word contained the plan They just could not understand That your most awesome work was done Through the frailty of your son El Shaddai El Shaddai El Elyonah Adonai Age to age You're still the same By the power Of the name El Shaddai El Shaddai Erechim Kana Adonai Michael Card and the song was El Shaddai. Love that uh, uh, that particular song. And now, folks, look at our giveaway book. Now, look, we have had a couple of requests come in uh, for this uh, book. Uh, uh, a number of you did actually pick up uh, that uh, that number, that code correctly. But we've had also had a couple of people who have uh, uh, put in the the wrong codes. And, uh, and you know, the problem with that is that our uh, our our robot he cannot understand. And a wrong code. Now, of course, the, I obviously didn't say it uh, uh, clearly, uh, clearly enough. But look, guys, if you want this book, the book is Teach Us to Pray. Uh, and this is a book that's designed. This is Tamara Horse. She's sharing her personal experience with, uh, with prayer. And in the process, she teaches us how to prepare. This is to develop, to grow your spiritual life uh, through, through prayer. Now, look, if you'd like this book, Teach Us to Pray, you need to text us. And a number of you have got that this number correct uh 04 triple eight Eight oh eight eleven, but a, a couple of you did actually miss the uh, the code. Now the code is SA one eighteen. SA one one eight. Now there's no gap between the SA and the one one eight because we've got one of those El Cheapo uh, robots. Uh, he can't understand uh, when we have when we have a gap between the SA and the one one eight. Uh, we actually have uh, a El Cheapo robot, and uh, this robot he struggles at, at that uh, at that point. Uh, so guys, look, uh, that number again is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven, and the code is SA uh, 
1118. And uh, just send that in if you've not used that code before. And if you didn't hear back from our robot, that means the wrong code has gone in. Uh, that means you need to just resubmit that again. So if you could resubmit to 04888, 80811, the code SA118, uh, then you'll hear back from our robot and we'll be able to forward you, uh, this, uh, this book. Beautiful, fantastic book. Now you are listening to, uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with, uh, Pastor Gary. And this week we're following the theme, the Bible, growing spirituality and the place of prayer. And today we're asking consistency in prayer. Is it possible? And this is one of those super uh, practical subjects of the Christian uh, of the Christian life. Now, Marty, really appreciate what it is you've been sharing with us. We've got about uh, eight minutes until the top of the hour. Can you bring it all together for us? Yeah, Gary, it's it's such an important topic. There's so much to share, and I'm, I'm so glad to hear people are uh, sending in for this book because prayer is really the key. Um, in the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, the, the Apostle Paul simply writes, pray without ceasing. And I guess you could liken prayer to spiritual breathing. You, you have to keep breathing in order to stay alive. So too, we pray consistently in order to stay alive spiritually and in order to grow in our relationship with God. Well, I think one of the key challenges for us is the fact that we get our priorities mixed up. Uh Um, We allow the busyness of life to shut out time with God. And there's this fascinating story in the Bible, and it just happens, not just happens, it's, I believe, intentionally placed in the gospel account of Luke. Uh And just before Jesus gives this model prayer, so it's right at the end of Luke chapter 10, and there's a story, and it says, now it happened, as they went, that uh, he, Jesus, entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Mm. She was distracted with a good thing. And she approached him and said, she approached Jesus, and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Mm. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. This is such a powerful short passage for the world in which we live today. Mm. In a world where our schedules are hectic, our lives are busy, this is a passage that speaks right to our hearts. Because what we see here is we see that Martha was so busy that she didn't have time to sit with Jesus. And in fact, when she saw her sister Mary sitting with Jesus, she actually got upset. And and, and I've heard that in the Greek, it actually reveals that that Martha was yelling at Jesus. Mm. She was agitated at Jesus (laughs) for allowing her sister Mary to actually sit at his feet while she had to serve alone. She was restless, she was agitated, and we have many Marthas in our world today, Gary, who, who, who are trying to do the right thing and doing lots of good things and helping even lots of people and being very hospitable and all sorts of wonderful things. 
Yeah. But the problem is our priorities can get out of sync. And when we fail to put God first, that's when prayer can really take a back seat in our lives. Yeah. Whereas the opposite, if we if we actually become like Mary and we put our time with Jesus first, mm-hmm. then um you know, then we can really experience God's blessing. Carrie, I've heard you, uh, you know, open up and say that you yourself, you describe yourself as a Martha. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and I, you know, I feel inclined to be the same way. I love yeah. to be busy. I love to be getting stuff done. Yeah. But um, there's this beautiful quotation, and it's actually, it, it's, I'll, I'll read it for you. Yeah. Written by a deeply spiritual author, it says, when every other voice is hushed and in quietness we wait before God, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. He bids us be still and know that I am God. Yeah. Here alone can true rest be found. And so prayer is not about being so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. That's yeah. not prayer at all. Yeah. Prayer is about linking yourself to the one of infinite power who can give you rest, who can give you wisdom, who can sh- open the doors Marty, to show you the right way forward. Can I can I just ask you, I suppose, one one fairly personal question, you know, for, yeah. you know, you, in, in about two minutes. So look, how, how do you pray? I mean, do you have a spe- do you have a time of day set aside for prayer? Uh, or are you one of those people that, you know, sort of uh, finds time as you can? I mean, I mean, how do you physically pray? For me, Gary, you know, this is a great question and, and this is, so for me personally, prayer is something that, uh, that happens at the beginning of the day and it happens at the end of the day. Right. Prayer also happens throughout the day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but there is, um, I've actually found that since, you know, we've, we've become a young family, you know, we've got a five-year-old, three-year-old and a one-year-old. Yeah. And I will say this, my prayer prayer schedule has changed since we have become a young family. Okay. I, I used to be able to wake up first thing and I would, you know, just, that was when I could have, you know, a, a good period of time, an hour of uninterrupted time yep. to pray, to read the Bible. And that was just a beautiful time. Now I'm discovering that it's, you know, cause often as a minister, you're out working a bit late at night and, and, and I very, very rarely will wake up feeling refreshed before the kids wake up. Yeah, yeah. And because my wife has been with the little one through the night, I, I tend to get up with the kids and get breakfast happening. And, you know, because I don't have to rush, I don't have any, you know, really early morning appointments. So this yeah. is how it works for me. Yeah. I'm working a lot during the nights, etc. And so this is how I've made it work. Yeah. If yeah. for some reason, in the earlier time of the day, um, I, you know, miss the opportunity to pray. Uh, actually, no, that pretty much never happens. There's always an opportunity to pray, yeah. at least for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. But certainly I will look for that time either throughout the day or particularly at the end of the day. 
Yeah, no, um, look, that's that's that, that that's so important. I, I know myself, you know, now that, you know, my children are grown, certainly the early morning hours have certainly come back. But I'm so conscious that in phases of life, uh, you do have to look for places where you yeah. can pray. I know when I was at Avondale College, you know, uh, I used to actually, uh, my, I had a, had a roommate in those days and uh, he had his, uh, his, his schedule on the, uh, uh, on the wall. And I knew when he was going to be in class and I could have the room to myself. And that was the time that I actually scheduled, uh, to have for, for prayer, uh, when I knew that he was in class and, and I wasn't. But look, Marty, our time mm. is starting to, uh, starting to run away. Let me just pray for our, uh, for our listeners. Father in heaven, Lord, yeah. I come to you right now. I want to say thank you for the privilege of prayer. Lord, if there's anybody right now who's struggling with an issue, uh, Lord, maybe with a relationship, uh, Lord, maybe it's a, it's well, financial, maybe it's a health matter. Lord, I just pray as they raise this issue to you that you might hear, that you might respond, that you might give them peace, uh, that indeed they might know that you have heard and answered their prayer. Uh, and these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and uh, Pastor Marty Thompson on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be chatting with Pastor David Butcher. We'll be looking at crisis prayer. Does God always answer? Really look forward to being with you then. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give. Isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.